you know I get my cheap orange soda from Aldi. Yeah. So I was there the other other day and they had a new one. And it's a rip-off of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> what do you think they've called Dr. Pepper? Is it Dr. <laughs> they've always got a name for it. Is it something really dumb like Dr. Salt? Is it like Professor it's... Pepper? <laughs> Oh, oh, you're so so close, Professor Peppy. Professor Peppy, <laughs> that's your new nickname. <laughs> What's up, Internet? You're tuned in to episode 136 of the podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Pete and Bessie, joined as always by my very good friend, Professor Peppy. Hello. Hello. <laughs> How you doing, Steve? I'm alright, you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Um, This is a very special episode of the podcast. Extremely. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a little nervous about it. I'm a little nervous about this episode. Uh, but uh, I hope all of our longtime listeners will will be happy about the news. Um, So let's just jump into it. Uh, This is the last episode of the podcast. Yeah. But. 136 of them. 136. Um, we're we timed that really well, huh? Could have been a nice... <laughs> but, 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 let me just get that out of the way. Before you start sobbing into your pillows, this is not the last show that Steve and I will be doing together. We will still be podcasting together every single week. In fact, we will be podcasting together even more every single week. Uh, but, after some thought, Steve and I have uh, decided to uh, leave Loot Pots and take this show and essentially evolve it into two podcasts. Yeah, indeed. And uh, we're going to have some other people joining us, and we'll go into that in a a little bit. Um, But I'm sure some people are going to be wondering why we've decided to to leave Loot Pots. And really that comes down to, I think, a number of things. But a lot of people will have noticed that, that Pixel Par obviously stepped back a little bit last year. Um, no kind of grudges or anything like that. He had a lot of stuff going on in his personal life with the pandemic and things like that, which we, we totally understand. And his Um, like actual job. Yeah. Like (laughs) an actual life stuff got in the way, but, uh, because of that and the link podcast had with loot pots, it kind of felt like we were being held back a little bit. And I think being able to break that tie and that, name like Potscast and Loot Pots will enable us to to grow the channel and grow um, the podcasts a lot more than we have been able to. Right, yeah, because, I mean, effectively, um, when when Pixel did uh, step back to, to focus on what was going on in his personal life, um, you know, we have just kind of continued on as usual, and, and you know, it's it's been tough to um, see that same level of growth that, that we want to see without, you know, without our leader to steer the ship. Right. Um, and of course, like pixel is the founder and creator of loot pots and everything. And while Steve and I have been here more or less since the beginning, um, it is still, you know, his his project and, uh, something that he definitely, you know, wants to stay involved in. And, you know, we completely respected that. Um, so it essentially just, you know, this was just kind of the time, I guess, at this point, um, for us to kind of go in our separate directions, allow him to, you know, come back to content creation when he's ready to without feeling like, you know, he's kind of leaving us hanging and without us, you know, um, feeling like we're waiting for him to be able to put the same amount of time in uh, that he did when we started, which, you know, um, is just something that, 
it, it, it was kind of unfair to both of us at this point, you know, and, and there, yeah. and like, again, there's absolutely no hard feelings. Like we are all still friends. Like you will see pixel post about this when it happens. It's all good. Like, you know, um, we're still buddies. We plan on working together in the future. You know, whenever he's ready to come back to content creation, I'm sure you'll see him on our, uh, our future podcast. And, and you might see us back here on, on the loop pots channel at some point. Um, those are, those are all things that are, are very, very much, you know, in the cards and on the table and, um, yeah, we want to make sure that that's super clear that like, there's, there's no bad blood on, on either end. And, you know, we, we all still love each other and all that stuff. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, uh, as for, for loot pots, that's not going to go anywhere. I know Pixelpaz like express that he wants to come back to it. I know he was working on a, a video for, for the channel, uh, with a Skyward sword breakdown and a breath of the wild trailer breakdown. And I'm sure that's still in, in the works. And he's also said that a new Discord will pop up um, for people that still want to remain part of the, the Loot Pots community. Um, but we should probably talk about what that means with us. Like if you want to follow us, which we hope you do from the Potscast, um, we're going to rebrand the channel uh, starting on August 9th. Yeah, so the, the YouTube channel, if you're watching this on YouTube right now on the Potscast channel, um, that is going to be sticking around, but the name will be changing. Uh, as well as the Discord. So if you're a member of our Discord, um, if you're one of the people that's writing in on the show every week and all that stuff, uh, things will not change for you that much. You know, that community isn't going anywhere. It's just getting a new name. Uh, the channel, um, similarly, will be getting a bit of a facelift. Um, and, you know, I guess I guess now's as good a time as any to say that, um, to announce the name of our, of our new brand, I guess, uh, which is, of course, Flip Screen Games. Yeah, and believe me, like, we... We racked our brains so hard coming up with a name. We thought we had like one or two. I've even bought like a few other domain names. For stuff um, that didn't come together. <laughs> stuff that didn't come to fruition. But I am so happy with Flipscreen. And our domain name is flipscreen.games if you want to go check us out over there. Yeah, if you want to go check out the new website uh, where you can get the hub for all of the stuff that we're doing, that's going to be flipscreen.games. Um, that will, is, is that live right now or will that be going live? That uh, that will be going live by August 9th. Okay. Um, but at the moment, I don't think it is as, as the time. This as the time out. that this is going live, right. So just for context, while we're announcing this, but it's not happening until the 9th, Steve um, is has a vacation that's been planned for ages before uh, this was this was decided. Um, so we're, we've decided to kind of take that um, that week off and, you know, get all of our ducks in a row, shoot some of the new shows. And um, and kind of finalize everything before the big launch. So you'll only have to go one week without getting you know your normal uh, fix from the podcast on Mondays. But um, so so like we said, YouTube channel staying the same, the Discord staying the same. Um, there are going to be a few changes. Uh, we are going to have to have a new Twitch channel. And um, for information on what's happening with the Patreon, you can go and head over and listen to this week's After Dark. Or on the 9th, when we do our, our kind of big launch day, we'll have a video available that will explain all of the details on the Patreon and, and kind of all that stuff. Um, considering that we're a few weeks out, we didn't feel like it made sense to go through all of that information right now. Yeah. Um, so you can check that out. But we will still have a Patreon. Those of you who, are, who have been supporting us and enjoying After Dark, there will be an After Dark successor. Um, so let's, let's talk about the actual shows that we're going to be doing. 
Um, so like I said, there will be an After Dark successor. It's going to be called One More Thing, and that's going to be our um, just kind of patron-exclusive, you know, After Dark-style show where we'll, we'll get together, we'll talk about our lives, you know, we'll ask each other dating questions, all that dumb, random stuff that we <laughs> like to do. Cattles for people and yeah. <laughs> all kinds <laughs> random of random stuff. Yeah. Nonsense. Yeah, the, the regular nonsense that you've come to expect on that show, you'll be able to get uh, just over there on One More Thing uh, once a week. We'll also have mm-hmm. uh, a brand new Nintendo-focused show called Nintendo Noise, um, which yeah. will have a regular third chair, a uh, friend of the show, Chewy Plays, who, if you are a regular listener of the show, of course you know Chewy. He's an active member of the community. Mm-hmm. He was, you know, uh, a, has been a regular guest on the show. He was with us in Ring Fit February. Um, we love Chewy. We love working with Chewy. And, you know, we wanted to work with him more um, for a while. And, uh, you know, now that we're kind of got this new show we're moving when we're recording it and everything you know he's um transitioned into doing content creation full-time uh so please go over and subscribe to his youtube channel if you don't already that's chewy plays um or it's chewy yeah, plays. Um, nintendo is the um it, it, yeah. yeah and and nintendo is ntdo if you just uh, search chewy plays chewy you'll plays. find his, he, yeah <laughs> he'll he'll come up everywhere <laughs> animal crossing podcast yeah. go check out chewy stuff we love chewy uh he'll be on the show every week um so you can look forward to that and then we'll yeah, have an, another kind show. Of, no, oh, sorry. Go ahead. So it's kind of taking the, the the podcast back to what it originally was. It's it's going back to being a Nintendo focused show. We'll talk about news. We'll talk about reviews on Nintendo games, or just like goofy things like ranking. You know, who's the hottest Nintendo character, which we did over on After Dark. We can bring that content into the main Nintendo Noise show rather than it having to be like a Patreon exclusive thing because we just have more time with more shows rather exactly. than being restricted. You know, th- this show, po- the podcast, used to be an hour. It's slowly ballooned and has become like two hours and we're going to try and deliver more shows uh, uh, with like more manageable times, I think. Yeah. And like that have a tighter focus, you know, so that you, if you just want to listen to the Nintendo conversation you'll have this product for you and that that'll be perfect for that. Right. And then as Steve alluded to, right, obviously um, over the last year or so, as we've kind of evolved the podcast, um, we have more and more talked about, you know, kind of goings on and on the other side of the fence, right. What's going on with PlayStation and Xbox and what's on the PC and and all those kinds of things. Um, So we want to keep having those conversations with you. It seems like y'all have been responding to that content um, we've really enjoyed doing it. So the successor for that kind of content will be uh, the Flip Screen Games podcast, which is going to be our second weekly video game podcast where Steve and I will talk about what we're playing this week. You know, we'll answer questions from from you guys about, you know, kind of general gaming stuff, you know, stuff about our gaming history, our favorite games of all time, more of that kind of stuff um, in, in a bit of a more evergreen format, as well as some breaking news, right? If, if it, you know, E3 is around the corner, yeah. if there's a big major event where we'll be reacting to it there um but it'll be probably a little bit less news oriented so we can just talk more about you know what we're playing and what we're excited to be playing and and some of that kind of stuff and we want to do you know some fun kind of like prediction more predictions more bets you know more more of those kinds of things maybe bring back the game club uh some of those other you know um segments that we've done in the past that we've really had a lot of fun with but maybe just don't fit in the main show you know week to week month to month um, so we're really excited to have that flexibility to kind of do some new stuff. Yeah, definitely. I'm I'm really really excited about uh, Flip Screen Games podcast. I think it's uh, it's going to be great. It's becoming sort of, I guess, like the the flagship 
podcast because it's it's the name of the channel and it's sure. the the name of the brand. Um, but as you said, it's less of a news focus. But I kind of still see it. I think I see it as if you take the podcast, you take what we're playing and then the main topic, and you miss out all of the news bits. So if there's like a huge bit of news, yeah. like a new new uh, Steam Deck, then that will be in there. That'll be um, a main topic. But I guess we. Yeah, exactly. It'll be the main topic, but it won't be like smaller bits of news that we'll focus on. There's Nintendo-focused stuff, we'll do that. We've also ha- um, discussed the idea, and if, if people are open to it and it seems popular, doing like breaking news, kind of like bulletins that we would like, either just one of us or both of us, talk about the news and recap it, give our thoughts, and just post up a, a quick video on the channel. Um, and that may end up going into its own RSS feed. Um, while we're on the subject of RSS feeds, they will also be changing, so you need to keep an eye out. Um, we'll post those everywhere. Um, and that'll be in our day one the, video as well. Yeah, it'll be in the day one video uh, with the links. Everything will be in the description. And uh, follow us over on, on Twitter and things like that. We'll put all the links to that in, in the description. Right. And, you know, because we are kind of having these new shows and, and we want them to have their own identities, they will have unique RSS feeds. So if you just want to listen to the Nintendo conversation, if you're not interested in, you know, some of that other stuff, you can just follow Nintendo Noise. If you just want to hear that other, you know, gameplay content, you can just follow the Flip Screen Game Show. Um, so you'll have, you know, the ability to kind of consume the content however you want. You know, we're going to make sure it's there for you wherever you want to get it. Uh, and then as for our Twitch plans, um, our kind of initial, you know, day one plan is to just pick up our regular Thursday streams. We'll still be, you know, streaming at that same time, probably starting maybe a little bit earlier, maybe at 6 instead of 6.30. Um, we're still kind of working that out because we definitely love to have, like, Chewy involved. We want to make sure that it's an optimal time for us to have guests on the show and, you know, um, so that Steve doesn't have to stay up until 4 in the morning maybe. Uh, so, you know, um, but... That same Thursday, 6, 6.30 slot is going to be when we'll be streaming. And, you know, we have plans to expand that schedule and, you know, both of us to maybe take on solo streams, stream with our yeah, partners, definitely. stream with other friends, you know, um, just work in some extra days as we kind of get into this new normal and, and find a new rhythm. Yeah, I know a bunch of people in the community have been asking for more European kind of time zone streams that that suit them because whilst I'm in the UK, Europe is another hour ahead of me. So if we're streaming at 11.30 UK time, it's half past midnight in Europe. So I know they're really, really difficult for people to to come along and watch. So uh, I'm hoping that I'll be able to do a little bit more during the the kind of normal hours for, for the UK and Europe. Maybe focus a little bit on what I'm playing. Um, and then me and you can team up on Thursdays, bring back the Ocarina of Time playthrough. Right. I know people have been crying out for that. That will be coming back. So don't worry about that. Just keep your eyes peeled on Twitch. Yep. Yeah. And I'm, I'm kind of thinking the same thing where I, I'd like to get a stream in that's like later, you know, that's yeah, going to be while the European folks are asleep. And then I can, you know, serve some of our, our West Coast and Central Time listeners a little bit better and, you know, um, maybe justify some replays of some of my favorite games uh, in like a more episodic kind of format like we like we did with Ocarina of Time. Um, so, yeah, we, we've got a lot of plans for how we're going to expand what we're doing and, and kind of iterate on some of the stuff that we've been enjoying and that you guys seem to have been enjoying at home. And, you know, we're, we're really excited about about what comes next um, as much as we are sad to see the podcast go. Um, you know, we're really excited by kind of the new opportunity that this is going to present us to, you know, do more, you know, new, bigger and better stuff. And 
Um, we really hope that you'll come and stick along for the ride because if you've been enjoying what we've been doing so far, um, you know, it's, it's not changing, right? The name is changing, but what we're doing, the show, all that kind of stuff, the community um, that we've cultivated here uh, isn't, isn't going anywhere. So, um, yeah, we hope you'll continue to keep rocking and rolling with us and, and having a good time and, you know, talking about video games and all that stuff that we love to do. So, um, I, I deep breath. It's done. A lot to take in, I know. <laughs> especially because, like, we've been sitting on it for a while, you know? So, it's like, it's been a little balled up, you know? Um, it's nice to finally be able to share that, that news with everybody and... Um, see how people react to it. Hopefully, well. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, um, definitely. I can't wait to to see our little logo around the place. Uh, you'll you'll have probably seen it by now if you're listening to this or watching this. But I love our little logo, and I I can't wait to just see them around the place. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. So speaking of fun. Let's get into the rest of this podcast because this is not just us announcing that this is like we're doing a show. All right. I thought that was it. I thought this was the last one and I just had to come for the intro bit and and then I could go. All right. Okay. All right. If if we're if we're (laughs) going to do the last episode of the POTS cast, it's going to be a good episode. All right. Yeah. So we've got some stuff. Go go out with a bang. Yeah, we got to go out with a bang. It's a great show, and it's going to go out on a high note. I can promise you that. Mm -hmm. So uh, let's let's jump into it. Let's jump into what we've been playing this week. Um, I took your recommendation and picked up a little game uh, called Overboard. Oh my god! Yeah, how are you? How are you liking it? I'm really enjoying it. Um, I so haven't put good. a ton of time into it. I think I've done like four or five runs. Um, my first run was my best run by a lot. I got the two main win conditions. Uh, in my first oh, I've try, I've got a third win condition now. And I haven't. <laughs> I haven't done that one yet. I figured out who it was that blackmailed me the first time. So I was like trying to figure out uh, what are yeah. the ways that I can like try to get that person off the board or whatever. And every single thing I've tried so far has just led to me like getting knocked out or falling asleep or something and then waking oh, you, up and you I'm met the lady with the cricket bat then. Yep, that happened. <laughs> <laughs> have you have you played cards and stuff with car stairs? I haven't done that yet, no. Done all that. Yeah, that's essential to doing it okay yeah so i've got some i've got some stuff i've still got to try out but um it's really good i really like it uh I, I the art style is fantastic and it's got a great soundtrack like i love oh the music's so good so and this, good. i just i can't stop laughing at the script i don't know if you've gone up to the bridge uh-huh yeah and have you like uh yes yeah <laughs> i know i know i don't believe it i genuinely was like whoa what the fuck <laughs> yeah i it's it's it sucks because i'd love to talk about some of the moments like that but like i, I don't want to spoil can, them because i really people. don't want to spoil it for people but yeah. oh my god it was it's it's I so genuinely funny. was shocked and laughing oh yeah see what i mean about her uh relationship with clarissa yeah like, every time those two interact i'm like just just howling it's so funny every single time they just despise each other there, and it's it, so funny it just has such a good script it's really really funny and yeah i don't know it's just it's really charming for a game that is about trying to get away with murdering your husband you know <laughs> like yeah definitely i and i saw i saw some people discussing we're not going to talk about on the show the uh the netflix news and one of the things was like shonda rhimes is maybe doing like uh, some 
um, some games like with some Shonda Rhimes properties. I was like, they've already done How to Get Away with Murder, the video game. It's called Overboard. Yeah. They probably should just get them to make another game for them if they want to do that. Yeah, I mean, you could totally see how this kind of game would work on Netflix. It's literally just, you know, point and click and making choices. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. Perfect. It's, it's really, really great. I I it's love it. And there's There's a ton of, like, routes you can get away with it, and I've only really discovered one that's got three win conditions but i i know there's a few other routes that you can do i'm just haven't spoken to people but i cannot stop talking about this game everyone that i know i'm just like go and play overboard the one thing about it that um has has bugged me a little bit is i wish that the knowledge that you gained like as because you know how like uh it keeps a timer of how many runs you've done Mm -hmm. and like it it learns some like it Things are a little different. Run It'll to mark run. things green, right? Yeah. It'll say, like, done. you used this last time or you've done this. Yeah. Yeah. But so, only some of them are marked, and I don't understand the logic right. there. Yeah, I noticed that. And I also, I've, you know, like, I had the thing with the, the cricket bat, which we won't contextualize. But that was a thing that I had had a conversation with a character, and they mentioned it to me. And that was why I was able to go pursue that lead, right? But now... I don't know. Oh, I got that on my first run. It was nothing to do with speaking to someone. I did too, but you had to talk to somebody. No, I didn't talk to anyone. So maybe there's more than one way to get there. But I, I smashed the door down. Okay, well I didn't do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so okay, so maybe there's more than one way to skin a cat on that one, which even raises another question that I'm now thinking about. How can I do that? <laughs> but. Um, so I had set up that scenario, and then when I wanted to recreate it in my next run to make a different choice and get farther, I was like, oh, I don't remember what at what time and what room I talked to that right? person yeah. to get but that that's lead. The thing. So yeah, now that's I don't... The whole, that's the whole point of the game. You need, like, a, a notebook to write down. I know. I, I have my every single run. I have, like, the beginning of the run. I know exactly what I'm doing. I'm saying hello to the dude. And then basically, I'm out of that room and I'm Booking up to it. the deck. Yeah, I'm straight up to the deck, and then I'm going around and doing doing my business. Yeah, um, and you just you just kind of learn, I guess, where people are. But it also does show you on the screen like where they are at any given time. Yeah, like it'll show yeah. you that that Lady H is in this room or whatever. Right, but I don't know. It's like you can have different conversations with them in different rooms at different times and stuff. So I was like, oh, I don't, yeah. I don't remember where I talked to this person and how I got this information. Like, I, like I, I know this thing, but I went to the door and it won't let me do the thing because my character hasn't learned it on this run. And I was like, oh, damn it. Like, now I don't know what I'm doing. And I, it's not like a, a shortcoming of the game or something like that, but it is a thing where I'm like, oh. I, like, if it was going to mm. remember things, I wish it just, like, let me remember all the things I know and try to just keep going with stuff, you know? Um, but are you checking off the, the like little challenges that it gives you? Yeah. Yeah. I have been, I've been trying to figure stuff out. That bit in particular reminded me of like untied goose game where it's like, you've yeah. got these challenges to do. And I think there are some like secret ones as well that you can, you can tick off like an untied goose game as well that don't show up on the list that you can, you can get, uh, what are you, what are you playing it on? Are you playing it on switch? Yeah. I grabbed that on switch. I think that's the best place to play it. Although it would make it would be great on a mobile. It would well. be fine like on mobile, got, yeah. Yeah, if you've got thirty minutes on the train and it's only five quid on mobile, so 
if you what? want to save a little bit. Yeah. It's so much on Switch compared to that. That's insane. I know. I was tempted, but I really wanted to play it on the TV. I'm going to play this with my dad when I go on holiday with him this week. This week. That rubs me the wrong way I know a it's bit. his kind of game. Well, there's so much more on It's like uh, three times as much money on Switch. Why? Just because it's on Switch? Like... Yeah, because people don't pay money for mobile games. They don't want to pay money. They will not pay more than a fiver. Yeah, but like... Okay, whatever. Fine. I like the game. It's fine. I'm not going <laughs> to complain. <laughs> But yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I think um, if you, you know, if 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 you generally vibe with our taste and you like this, you know, the choose your own adventure, you know, story driven type games like we do, um, definitely want to check out. Yeah, like I said last episode, this is ranking as one of my games of the year this year so far. I think I need to play I'm, I'm more of it, time with it before I, 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 I don't necessarily feel that strongly about it, but I, I think it's a really, really good game. Like, it's it's definitely a game that, like, I think when we are making nods at the end of the year, I'll definitely be like, yes, that was a really memorable experience. Whether or not it breaks the top five or top ten, there's a lot more year left before, it's you know. Well, so, so far, it's definitely it's in the top five. Okay. I can't really think of anything else new that I've played that's come out this year other than Tell Me Why, which I think is ranking as my number one so far. Even that's not new, though, right? Like... That came out in 2021. No, it didn't. Right? No, it came out last oh, year. Well, then, then I've got no fucking. Clue Remember, I played it at launch on Xbox. Yeah, you did. It was, yep, it I was do old at that, that point. Can, can, can I make Link's Awakening go my my no. favorite games list? <laughs> my favorite games of the year are all games that are three to five years old. <laughs> well, okay, Flight Sims out next week, so uh, there maybe that'll go. go on there. I'm sure that will go on there. If you like it. Yeah, I'm gonna like. We'll see. I'm gonna fly over my house, Pete. <laughs> just make sure you don't stream it, because then you're just doxing yourself. Oh shit. <laughs> oh man. So uh I also played something else that was new this week. Um and I'm 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 shocked. I kinda wanna rant about it a little bit, I gotta say. So I uh so through with the power of Xbox Game Pass, right? You have access to all these these games. Um and you know, if you've been listening to the show, if you if you're, you know, keeping up with us, um, you'll know that I got into basketball uh in the last year, you know, in the last six months, whatever. Um and you know, it's the off season right now. And, like, my friends and I were talking about about the Sixers the other day, and I was kind of like, yeah, man, like, I kind of want to watch basketball. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try NBA 2K 2021, you know? Uh, I've heard I've heard that people really like NBA 2K. I've heard that they're pretty good. You know, I used to really like sports games when I was younger. I was kind of in the mood for something, like, arcadey, because I'm, like, um, you know, we'll talk about it. Oh, NBA. you want NBA Jam then, don't you? They don't make those games anymore. They do make them. They made when you won like two years ago. There's an there's a NBA Jam from yeah with like, the big really? heads and shit. Really? Is it yeah, good Spires on Switch. Uh, and I'm looking it it's up. Probably trash. Well, we'll find out. Uh, so because it's like that sounds like my jam. It's, it's called NBA 2K Playgrounds now. NBA oh. 2K Playgrounds Two okay. is the latest one. It got an eight out of ten on Nintendo Life. That's not bad. It's all right. But okay, so here's so here's my thing though, right? So I I, I download this because I you know the other game I'm I'm playing right now, which we'll we'll talk about in a minute, is Mass Effect Two, and I'm getting very close to the end of Mass Effect Two. So 
like there aren't a lot of like low key things left for me to do in that game. Like it's pretty much every mission I have left is like a big meaty one that takes a lot of time. So like I've been kind of in need of like an off game right now, like something that's a little bit more just like I want to just jump in and, and be clicking sticks, you know, and like not you you done you were done with um, Mario Golf. Um, no, I'm still chipping away at that, but like I, I you know, it's that slow. So like I kinda wanted something that's like a little bit more like, like I pop said, in, like, pop out, like yeah. a, a ten minute session, yeah. Yeah, right. Like something that's like a little bit more just, you know, like quick and easy and like a little bit like I, Yeah. The last one I had like that was Hades, but the problem is I got so sucked in it never turned into be like a ten minute exactly. thing. I would be playing, I'd be like, God, just one more run. I yeah. can do it next time. Yeah, and like I've been, <laughs> I've been kind of like you know because I was playing like party hard that way for a while, right? Where that was like mm-hmm. a good like oh yeah, I'm just like I just kind of want to be like doing something like low key and fun and arcadey and like whatever. Um, and yeah, and like I'm still I'm still playing Mario Golf here or there or whatever, but like I just I don't know I wanted something faster, so I figured I would give this a try. And I gotta say, it's been a long time since I picked up a video game and had such an alienating experience. Um, really? Yeah. I, like, and maybe this is, like, this is going to come off as ignorant maybe to some players, but, like, all of the people I know who play 2K, when I brought this up to them, were like, no, yeah, that no, you're right. This game is extremely inaccessible. Like, it is so deep, the systems, and it does a really bad job of teaching you how to play. Like, you jump in. So it just presumes you've played, like, the last 10 2K I guess. games? Yeah, because it's like you jump in and there's like quick play, there's like a WNBA mode, there's like a practice mode, and then there's like, um, like I think it's like a story mode where it's like more like my career type thing where you play like a season. Um, I think that's what that last mode is. That's the only, I haven't touched that one. Um, so I, tr- I try to just jump in and be like, let me just like try a, a, a quick play game and see how I do, right? And like see if I can figure it out. Because um, like, you know, sports games are usually pretty easy to pick up is how I remember them. Not not the case. Um, I was getting demolished. Like, I could not score. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, okay, this is no good. I'm going to go try the training. And you go to the training, and they have a tutorial system where it, like, has a little video in the corner showing you what you're doing, and then it tells you how to do it. But, like, it doesn't actually walk you through how to do it. So some of the things that was, like, very easy to figure out, and some of them I was like, I'm doing what it's saying and it's not working and I don't understand why. Oh and it's not God, it's not so easy fun. to understand why I'm not doing it right. And then, you know, I, I, I'm going through and then I realize every one of the... So say there's like dribbling, passing, shooting, defending. Each one of those had like a, at least like three and as many as like ten additional things that you could cycle through and be like this is this kind of pass this is this kind of dribble this is this kind of thing and is there no like simple controls because i've played dirt five and that or actually dirt four was probably a little bit worse but they had two control schemes it was like do you want to play simulation or do you just want to chill experience and you just play as arcade and the simulation mode it was very similar to that it's like you've got to go through this training and if you don't like tap the brake as you go into the corner at the right time you'll spin out and stuff it's very much like driving a car and not what i was used to on a video game yeah and i I could be wrong about this too again like you know i played this game for maybe an hour or two maybe an hour and a half um and at the beginning it was like do you want like simplified shooting or do you want like the skill shooting and the skill skill shooting whatever the hell it's called 
um, you can still use the simplified shooting button controls. So, like, you have that option. And I found the simplified shooting to be harder <laughs> than, than what they were calling, oh. like, the advanced mode. Because um, the advanced mode, you pull back the right stick, and it takes into account what angle you are from the basket. So, like, it takes a little bit of, like, figuring out, but I found it a lot easier to line up the shot and actually get a good shot rather than, like, having to press and then release. And it was, I don't know, I didn't like that that other control scheme, which was supposed to be the easier one. So that was, it was just really alienating. And, like, I'm sitting there doing this practice, and I'm like, all right, cool. I think I've got a handle on this. I'm going to try another game. And I try another game, and I do better. Like, I got points that time, <laughs> but... I, like defending is extremely hard and I don't I just cannot get it I can't figure it out and I just feel like it should not be this hard and if it is going to be this hard that it should have some kind of way where there's like a narrator and it's like do this and like make sure you do it three times correctly and then we'll let you move on like actually make me learn how to play like the way that like you know I don't know like I, I don't know like I feel like that's like what the tutorial is like in I don't know, like Tony Hawk or something like that. Like it's like do it like, right. It's like super five basic. Times. Like think think back to think like the original Halo where it wouldn't even let you get out of the fucking thing until you could prove you looked at the lights. You had to like look up, look walk left, around, look shoot right. the gun. Like you know, yeah. like make sure you know what you're doing. And it's fine if like experienced players feel like they don't need that. But for me, as somebody who's coming in, I was like, I really like. I feel like there's no way for me to understand this. And I like, I literally can't tell you the last time that I turned on a video game and I was just like, I don't know how to. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing and I can't keep up with this. You know, like <laughs> even if I'm bad at a game for the first time, it's usually like, okay, I don't understand what I'm doing, but I know I don't understand what I'm doing, and like, there's a way to figure it out. You know, but like. This was so alienating. And all I wanted was, I was like very excited. I was like, oh, cool. Like, I'm going to learn more about basketball. I'm going to learn more about other players on other teams that I don't know. Like, I'm excited to have this be a way for me to like deepen my experience with being a fan of basketball. And it is, it is not working for me. And I'm really upset because I want to like it. I want to play it, but it's just like really hard. And I don't know that I want to bang my head against the wall for like two weeks and figure out how to play this game. You know, I definitely wouldn't. I haven't got enough time in the world to to waste doing that. Maybe try the playgrounds one, but I don't know if that's on Game Pass. And it, and if you it's pay not. like sixty dollars for it, and it turns out to be the same shitty control scheme. You, just on Switch you know. with worse graphics. Like no yeah. thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Pass on that. So I don't know. Uh, so really what I'm hoping for is, you know, we've been talking a lot about this kind of conspiracy theory that EA is like trying to come back, you know, like that they're, they're they want to be like loved again and they want to bring back. It's definitely not a conspiracy theory. They, they definitely want to be loved again. I know. I know. But but what that actually will mean has gotten me to some conspiracy theory places. I'll, I'll admit. Mm -hmm. where I'm like, yeah, this is it. It's all good. We're going to be back on track. I want EA to believe Sports that. is going to be number one again. That's what I'm saying is I want... Maybe, maybe what you need, though, is Sony Studios today because they just seem to do a good job at that. Um, I don't know, though. I, I I might pick up the show and feel like it's just as complicated and convoluted. But baseball is also like a slower game, so who's to say? But what I was going to say is EA, bring back EA Sports, and then bring back NBA Street. Because that was my fucking basketball game, and I love the NBA Street series. So let's get that going again, all right? Let me play as the Sixers in NBA Street Volume 3 
this would be three. NBA right? Street just had like normal people in. No, I don't think it did, like, but I just... want I want it to. Well, no, it probably. Oh, you did. want the six? I think it had the team. No, it did. It had NBA players, right? Okay. Let's uh, see. NBA Street Home Court was the last one, which came out on Xbox 360. Do you know? I bet that's on EA Play. You know what? There was a Volume Three. I never played that one. Volume Two was the one that yeah, I they played. Did, they did Volume Volume Three and then NBA Street Home Court. Hmm. Well, anyway, uh, that game ruled, and I loved it. So bring it back. Let me play as the 76ers, the modern 76ers. Yeah. I never got into it. The only sports game I was ever really like massively into was SSX. Do you remember SSX, the snowboarding game? I remember it, but I've never, I've never I liked snowboarding those games. games. I, I don't like, even like snow, so I don't know why I like snowboarding games so much. I don't like racing games really. Like I like kart racers because there's weapons, but like anything that's just about go down fast or go straight fast, it's like now. Nah. Like it's Tony Hawk's on snow. Yeah, but like. You can't do as many tricks, and you're way more no, limited. You can't because you're not on you wheels. Yeah. yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> it just feels like a less fun version of a thing that I already like, you know? I did like Snowboard Kids a lot uh, on the N64, no, which was the, yeah, well, the you know, that's Atlas's best game. Yeah, because yeah, it's like also an RPG, so that was why I liked it. But <laughs> it's like, what? It's like a snowboarding life sim? Yeah, all right. That sounds cool. <laughs> With Jack Frost in again. Yeah. But yeah, so I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have some more thoughts on NBA two K in the future, but I think I'm done. <laughs> I think I'm gonna just delete it. Uh I think that's that's part of the problem with Game Pass. Do you ever find that if you pay money for a game, you're willing to kind of push a little bit more, you wanna feel like you've had your money's worth. But when it's uh... when it's Game Pass, or I've had it with games I've like reviewed before, I'm just like Ah, fuck this. There's so many bad games I could be playing with. I don't I don't think it's the the pay thing cuz I think I think the difference is that the games that I play on Game Pass um that I wasn't already planning to play, they're games I'm not sure that I would like. And I think that's, that's fair. I guess I, it's, it's no different to like Spotify where you would go and you listen to a band you've maybe never heard of before because someone had recommended it to you. You wouldn't buy an album you, that you'd never yeah, from a band you, you, you wouldn't never buy heard an of, album, probably, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, maybe you used to do that, but you probably wouldn't do that now. Um, that's definitely what my dad used to do. Dan, oh, yeah. Dad, that was Jim the only way you could get yeah. access to music, right? Um, and I used to do that when I was younger sometimes. I would, you know, if it was like a band I'd heard about or whatever, like, I would do that. Um, LimeWire, Kazar? Nah. Gotta have the record. Yeah, okay. Well, you never use LimeWire No, I, I did, but, like, it's a long thing. Like, I didn't have good internet for a long time. Like, and when oh, I finally okay. did, like, those things weren't around. Like, I got into torrenting and stuff like that when I was a teenager. Like, I, I'm not going to say I never downloaded music, but um, I, I tried to pay for music. Um, I still try to pay for music. Um because you should pay for the things that you like and support them. Um, I definitely agree with that, but it blows my mind that you, a child of the '90s and early two and teen of the early 2000s, not once going to like Napster or LimeWire or Kazaa. Like I, I, it was, it it was, was huge. Everyone did it. That was more a thing that like I experienced at other people's houses. Like I would LimeWire things at my friends' oh, yeah, at high speed let internet them the viruses, and yeah. rip them on my iPod or whatever. You know, like I'm not saying I never did that, but that was not my primary way of discovering music. 
Um, a lot of bands that I, I got into, I got into because my, my best friend's older brother left him a box of CDs when he joined the army and like we burned all of them, you know, and I burned like 300 CDs that this person from the nineties had bought, you know, wow, or accumulated okay. from friends or whatever and stuff. So, um, yeah, so I, I use those things, but they weren't usually for like discovery. It was for like tracking down things I was already looking for and couldn't find somewhere else. That, that's fair. Yeah, I, I guess I was probably more the same, not discovery, because it was you had to know exactly what you wanted to look for. It was put a like, specific keyword in and right. that will show up. Yeah, I wasn't just going like, you know, let me find some new punk bands, you know, like that's not really how mm. that worked, you know. Um, it would be more like I got into a band and like, oh, I heard they have this demo uh, f- that you can't find anywhere. Like, let me see if it's on LimeWire, you know? Um, like, I remember, like, uh, I was, like, a huge Blink-182 fan. And, like, I downloaded their uh, first ever demo that they had recorded, like, in a bedroom. And it was not commercially available anywhere. It has never been commercially available anywhere because it sounds like shit. And I had that and was like, yes, I have this obscure piece of music history, you know? That was the kind of shit I was trying to find. (laughs) (laughs) Stole the bootlegs. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the Mass Effect conversation, um, you got into some GBA games this week. I did. So I charged up the Vita, booted it back up, like I said I would last week installed minish cap on it and i actually installed metroid fusion on there wow on the recommendation of a few people yeah uh the uh, like i think i really offended uh like i really offended the person who recommended it to me because i said the backstory was trash and i didn't give a shit about it he <laughs> was like the backstory's great what are you on about it's like sets up so much in the game and i'm like the enemy in this game pete is called x that's the name of the enemy and it's infected you it's compromised your immune system and you've got this orange stuff like oozing out of your suit yeah it was i'm like i'm not here for this story but I'll, i'm gonna try metro and i'm gonna look forward to playing it so i uh, <laughs> it's, I gotta say, Steve, whenever you're dismissive about a game's story, I'm very skeptical now because I'm just like, is the story actually bad or did you not read it? Is my question. No, I definitely read it. I read it past? twice. You can't skip it. Okay. You, you, there is n- okay. none of the buttons right, do anything. Enough. You have to watch it. Fair enough. And I watched it twice Why because twice? I then I then learned. I was like, why the fuck is this so bright? Like, and I thought it was my it was my OLED screen on my Vita because we had that conversation. And I've got the OLED one. I thought maybe this is just too vibrant or whatever. Like, is there a setting to turn it down? I had to switch emulator cores from VBA Next to MGBA uh, in RetroWatch because MGBA lets you color correct. So it turns out the uh, like ori- the games for the original GBA anything before the um, like the the 101 um sp they like bumped the saturation up to like a million because the the gba screen was such garbo that when whenever it displayed anything it displayed it like muted and flat and terrible because obviously it didn't have a backlight or anything the build quality of the original gba is not very good like the screen isn't good like the the sound chip is notoriously bad like Mm mm-hmm But so when you emulate these ROMs, it emulates the colors that the obviously the developers put into the code, which is way too bright for 
the screen you're emulating on. So I had to turn that on, which because I switched emulator cores meant I had to start the whole game again. So I did the same thing with Minish Cap. So I've only just got back to <laughs> the point where I was in Minish Cap, which is I'm trying to get down to the bottom right corner um, to find something. I, I don't, I don't know. Do not remember. Like any, anything you're going to tell me about it is like, oh. like I, I, I loved that game when I played it, but it's a game I've only played once and I played it when I was like 14, maybe like I was so long ago that it's like, <laughs> I remember the mechanics. I remember the, like the style of it, you know, but like, I don't remember the specifics very well at all. Well, I was, I'm, I'm enjoying the game. I, I really am. Um, the controls, I couldn't get them at the beginning. They're very different, obviously, Link's Awakening, which I just come from. You would expect that. There's only two face buttons and two sure. shoulder buttons. But the because is it because they've used the two face buttons as like your two item buttons, the shoulder button, the right shoulder button, is your main action button. So when you go to pick something up or do anything, it's the right shoulder button. Which I guess makes sense, but it's just very alien to use for me while i'm pressing i'm used to pressing like a as like pickup or action um to have to switch to like a, a trigger uh so it's, it's a little bit strange but I'm, I'm having a good time with both of them i'm going to be taking my vita on holiday with me Very and i'm nice. looking forward to to playing a little bit more of those i gotta tell you i love a capcom developed zelda game you know Really this is the first one I've played. I, wa- I really want to play the one where you have to... Oracle of Ages we're gonna have and to Seasons? Set it up. Yeah, where you got to play... No, I want to play the one where you got to play with, like, three other friends, and you're all oh, doing, like, oh, the four, the four, uh, four, four adventures. Swords. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. to play that. Uh, we should do it as, like, a stream and get some people in. I know Ray really wants to play that game. And I don't even know how we would do that. Dolphin oh. lets you do emulation online. So oh, okay. Do it. I was going to say, because I... I was gonna say unless unless all of us have a Wii U, that, that... Oh, or we all like fly somewhere. Yeah. yeah, I don't know how else you'd make that happen, but okay, cool. Yeah, I'm down. All right, so let's talk uh, Mass Effect. So, like I said, uh, I'm I'm deep in the throes of Mass Effect Two. I am uh, getting real close to the last mission. I've got probably a handful of side quests left that I want to check off before I'm like. I've done all the stuff I want to do, and then I'm ready to move on. So I'm thinking, thinking by the time that we sit down for episode one of the Flip Screen Games podcast, I will probably already be into Mass Effect three. If I had to guess, wow, okay. If I had to guess, I mean, I'd say so. You're pretty close to the end, and that's yeah, that's a while away. Um, yeah, I mean, it's two weeks out for release, but it's like a just over a week till we record it. Yeah, that's true. mm Hmm. But I'm going to be nowhere else because I'm not playing any more Mass Effect before I go. Because um, we're recording After Dark tomorrow and I won't have any other time really. Uh, but I'm still chipping away at it. I have to apologize to people, especially Doc who called me up on it. My ship is called the Normandy and I do know that. I didn't even correct <laughs> you last week. I, I was just I just laughed at you and was just like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know the name of my ship and I am the commander of it. Um I must have like done something wrong or like picked up a side quest or something and I went down and I did some distress beacon thing and it wasn't what I was meant to be doing or the person I was looking for wasn't there and it was like a decoy distress beacon. Maybe that's meant to happen. Oh, and you fight the, the Thresher Maw? Yeah. Yeah, what that's a side thing. Pete? Like who the fuck 
decided this is a good vehicle control. Oh my god, Steve. It's so funny because I remember when I when I was talking about Mass Effect 1, I was complaining about the Mako. And I was like, I wonder if Steve's going to remember that I said the vehicle sucks. Because <laughs> the vehicle No, I did bad. not remember that. Well, the vehicle is really bad. Let me tell you this. Uh, there are not many side quests that are, like, mandatory or, like, that have super big ramifications on the other later games from Mass Effect 1. So I would say if you want to, like, look up a, a guide or something, or I could I could give you one of, like, what are the side quests that are, like, do these ones because they have cool stories. Most of them you can skip. And, the like, you have to use the tank in all of the major, like, main missions. But, like, those segments are not that long. Um, I thought I thought it was the main mission because it said search within this galaxy for someone, and I went there, and it it never told me where to go. And then I I scanned the planet. And I was like, the there's a distress planet. beacon, and I'm like, oh, I'll go down to this one then because maybe they're there. There's a distress beacon, and I'm I'm suddenly in this this tank thing Fate with six wheels that just drives like crap, and I'm trying to shoot. And the sticks just, I'm just like wobbling all over the place. Then the gun runs out of energy. It overheats. It's overheated, so I can't do anything. And I'm just driving around waiting for it to unheat, uh, like undo. I died like six times. That that fight is such a pain in the ass. It's so fucking hard. Um, I wish that I had known you were, because I would have been like, don't, just skip it. Fuck that. <laughs> because like <laughs> when, I, when I was playing it, I did that side quest and I, it took me like six, seven times to beat that fucking thing. Um, because oh, I, kept, awful. I, I kept getting impatient, yeah. you know, and I was like, yeah, and then I would I overheat too. the gun no. and it would overheat the gun and then it would like spray the shit on you. And then it takes forever to use the Omni gel, which apparently you heal yourself with. You can also heal your car with. And I'm like, okay, this, oh this is like amazing you know, stuff. It's so funny. I had a, uh, it, it is. I love that. Um, there's a moment in Mass Effect 2 uh, where you're on a mission. <laughs> And somebody is bringing up hacking, and they're like, ah, oh, remember when you used to just be able to shove Omnigel on everything, and it just hacked everything? And, then, and they're, they're, like, making fun of the fact that you could do that in the first game. Just, you use it for everything, for everything. in that game. Yeah, it's like yeah, you it's... Could, it could heal your body and hack a door and also fix a tank. Like, okay. It's great. Absolutely crazy. It's and so it's, like, funny. the same amount for each of those actions. Like, a, just a tiny bit on Omnigel on me. Apparently that's enough to fix an entire tank too. Yeah. But anyway, I just like I kept getting sprayed by the by the stuff, and it was it was driving me crazy. And I and I was like, oh, this. I was getting really frustrated with that. I was close to like rage quitting. I was that annoyed with the thing because I thought this was. I thought I had to do this. <laughs> I thought this was it. the main mission. I know. I didn't realize I didn't have to do it. Um. And I was like, this thing drives like absolute fucking shit. And Macaulay was like. Is it the car or is it you? And I just handed the controller to them. They like spent like two seconds on the stick, and they were just like, "Oh, yeah." No. <laughs> that was their response. Oh, yeah. This is. Th- it was like obvious that this thing was like really difficult I, to control. I fucking hate the Mako. I hate the Mako. It is. It is <laughs> the worst part of Mass Effect One by a country fucking mile, in my opinion. I hate it, and I'll, I'm happy to report it's not in the other two games. Don't worry about that. Oh, thank God, it's done. They cut it out. But I'll, I'll point this out to you, Steve, so that you can commiserate with me real quick as a, as a new convert to Mass Effect. So Andromeda, right? The one that came out on last gen consoles. That is the one that nobody likes. LGIs, yeah. That game. 
was made by not by the main Bioware team. It was by uh, 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 I think it's Edmonton is like the it's like the secondary studio that they established um, in Canada, and uh, it had like a pretty notoriously tortured dev cycle. So I'm not like trying to talk shit or anything like that. Um, but one of the things that they decided would be a good idea for that game was to make it open world and bring back the Mako. And I was like, oh no. oh, no, why would you do that? Why would you take this thing that nobody wanted and they took out of Mass Effect 2 and 3 and put it back? Why? Did they fix it? Did they fix the controls? Like, it, it's, it is literally better, but, like, it's not great. Like, it doesn't feel good to drive, you know? It's just like, okay, it's, like, less like I'm fucking driving a boat, but... I, you know, I can't think of the right solution for it because I hate the Warthog in Halo 1 as well. I think it gets a little bit better in Halo 2. But I think I like driving with the right trigger and shooting with the A button when I'm in a vehicle. Mm. And I think that's how other games like uh, Call of Duty or Battlefield do it when you're in that's a tank. Uh, it's been a year since I played a, or a game like that, so yeah. I, I I don't know. I'm sure someone will be able to write in and and let me know. We should have a debate. Like, what's the like best control scheme for driving for a car? Driving? It's it's got to be the right triggers. Go yeah. and stop. Because yes. I just I hate the twin stick thing. It just doesn't work because it it's steering you and moving the camera at the same time. Yeah, it's awkward. And it's really weird. Like, I should be able to go in the direction I want with one stick and move the camera with the other. I'll give you my pro tip for for getting through the parts of the game where you have to use the Mako. Whenever, like, most of them, it's just driving, like, I'm at point A and I need to get to point B. And you're going to drive and there'll be some enemies that you need to fight. And it's usually, like, very straightforward in terms of where you need to go. It's, like, not – it's pretty easy to not get lost or anything like that. Um, So when you see enemies, just stop moving and just shoot them. And kill them all, and then drive because that will it'll okay. go so much faster. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's good. And then I won't be burning out my my gun. gun. Right, that's and, the and other thing. Don't let your gun burn. Game. Like, don't do that. Like, if you're at the line, just let it cool off because your shields will always outlast the enemies shooting you, and the time it takes to to cool off is like four times as long as it takes to just let it cool. Uh, off. Yeah, I know that, but I was just getting so annoyed with that stupid sure. big snake thing. And then his crappy little tentacle things come out of the ground and you got to shoot each one of those. Uh, it's so annoying. Yeah. No, I hate the makeup. I, uh, you know, I found the pole beacon, turned the thing off and found the soldiers that got eaten by the monster. The, the thresher maw. The, then it was like, oh, this is a decoy. Let's go back to the ship. And I was like, oh, what was it? <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? <laughs> so that's where I'm at. I'm now looking for this person. I've just landed on another planet. And then I, I left it there. You're looking for Liara, uh, the doctor? Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking for, I'm look, like on some dig site. Yeah. And I thought, you know, this this is the place. You know, there's a distress beacon. You know, That's a really good trouble. fake Let's out go. now that I think about it. That's it like a really, really good hair, red herring. <laughs> That's how I ended up there. I was like, oh, okay, I'll go there. And then I'm like, oh, I'm in a car. Oh, there's a little campsite thing over there with like uh, another vehicle and a big pole thing. So, you know, you think you go in there, you're going to find them. It looks like there's some equipment, you know, in the mi- middle of this deserted planet. No. Just nope. dead people. <laughs> Well, uh, 
I'm sorry that you had to deal with the Thresher mob, but I'm glad you're getting on with it. <laughs> I am, yeah. I, I am getting on with it. I'm I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying all my interactions with Seth Green. He's great. And I don't know the character's name, but I know him. Joker. He's Seth Green. Mm-hmm. You'll get there. <laughs> he's, he seems like a good guy. I like him. And I like my, my, my crew. I swear it asks you to pick every time you go somewhere. Well, yeah, like, it does. I, I never want to change. I just, I just always want... Well, they got to ask you Kaden? so you can change. It's funny. I want in, the dude and I want the frog. In Mass Effect 1, I use the same people pretty much every time. But in 2, I pick different people for every mission pretty much. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I don't and know why. Any reason why? Like, are they more diverse or the missions need more of a range? I think, I think for me, in Mass Effect 1, things are a lot more focused. Like, in Mass Effect 1, is very much about you chasing down Saren, and it feels like everything relates to that. Whereas, like, Mass Effect 2, there's a, like, a lot of other stuff going on, and it feels like, oh, well, I'm going to this planet, and I'm going to be dealing with, you know, a technical issue. I should bring, you know, my technician, and I should bring the doctor, right? Like, because they're the two smartest people that I have. Or, oh, I'm going into a firefight that's going to be really dangerous. I better bring, you know, my two strongest people with me because they're the, you know, they're tough, and they'll be able to handle this, right? Or, like, I have, like, the guy, the guy who you said you like, Garrus, um, he's like my best friend, right? So I'm always like, oh, like I want him to come because he'll have my back, you know, like shit like that. It's like me like role playing scenarios. Well, are, there, are there like social cue things like the like in Persona? Can I like become buddies and they'll protect me more? Um, it doesn't change that way, but there are loyalty missions, and when you complete those loyalty missions, they get special abilities and their stats are are, are oh, like, just like Outer Worlds. Then yeah, it's like that. Yeah. Um, Outer Worlds so definitely... They've all got their one thing, and they're like, oh, I really need to talk to you. Can we go and find this person? And it's yep. like, okay, fine, I guess we can do that. Yep. Yeah, it's that It's that same vibe. Um, so I definitely like three do of those for the people I liked. <laughs> you should do them for everybody, for sure. Okay. Um, no one's spoken to me about one of those yet. You're not far enough, yeah. It'll probably, after you do the first or second main quest, is usually, I think, when they start being like, hey, I favor okay but yeah do those for everybody even if they're a character you're not wild about just because it'll benefit you in the future and most of them are really good like almost every uh character loyalty mission is like one of the better missions in the game um and some of them are like really fun and like they'll take you to planets and stuff that you won't see otherwise sometimes there's like some cool shit there um so definitely worth those are side quests that are definitely worth doing (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I'm into ones with stories, not just driving and killing. Yeah, and there's a lot of that in Mass Effect 1, where there's, like, a lot of missions that are like, go here, fight some guys, read some text about what was happening, then leave. And it's just like, that's fine, you don't need to do that. Mass Effect 2, like, there are a lot more, you know, um, story-driven side quests, where it's like, you'll go here and meet characters you would definitely not meet otherwise, get special, you know, items, stuff like that. Like, there's mm-hmm. a lot more incentive to do those side quests, and they're generally more interesting. Okay, well, send, send me a guide if you know of one, with like a list of the must the missions to skip and the must-play missions, and then I'll keep an eye out for them. But I swear it didn't come up with like a new quest or a new mission or whatever, it was just... There's a distress beacon. 
So that... I would have had no idea, but I guess it would could tell me like she is on this planet. Go what would here. have happened would have been if you had looked, if you had like backed out and looked at your journal, you would see that wasn't in your main quest, and you'd be like, okay, that's a side thing. Um, but you would have had no uh, way of knowing that unless you had looked. So the fact that you were going there to do that mission and happened like that sequence of events has not happened to me before. Like I did that side mission like way like ten hours later. You know when I played. So you just because is that because you knew which planet she was on, or did you do them in a different order? I think it was just that like I because I didn't necessarily remember, but I think that there's like it, it gives you a clue as to where she is, and I was like, oh okay, like I found the right planet. Cool, this is it. You know, um, and, I, and when I found that one, it was like, oh okay, this is something else. I knew that the, I knew that she doesn't send a distress beacon, right? So I'm like, ah, it's not it. You know, whatever. Right. Okay. Maybe I need to get better with like finding these hints and clues and you know Look at your if it doesn't mention yeah if it doesn't mention distress beacon then that's not it yeah the the journal definitely will give you like some context usually that's helpful to like figure out what you're trying to do mm-hmm. so worth keeping that in mind um all right so let's jump into the news so we got a brand new trailer today uh for the Iki island expansion that's coming to ghost of tsushima uh alongside the director's cut so obviously, um, you know, this this kind of made the news a couple of weeks ago. There was a bit of controversy about about the price and everything. And, you know, should they be charging for some of these updates or not? And, you know, the, the, the place that I kind of came down on it was, you know, for me, it really boils down to how much this, you know, expansion really adds to the game and how much it matters. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, we don't know exactly how long it's going to be. But we definitely got a bunch of really uh, some big new information, right? We knew that it was set on Iki Island, that there would be like new locations, new characters, new enemy types, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we got we got some more um, details in this trailer where there's uh, a, a mysterious like offshoot, basically, of of the Mongols that you had dealt with in the main game, uh, who are led by a shaman who is uh, known by uh, known to her followers as the eagle and um she's both uh a uh, 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 it's a cut a cartoon i think is how you say it but it's like she's a con basically but she's also a shaman so like she's a conqueror but also has like some you know mystical like type powers or like at least is alluding to the fact that she does it's hard to say how that's gonna play out because in like legends there's like you know some supernatural stuff but in the main game the isn't really like there's like hints to things that seem supernatural but usually they're not so it's kind of remains to be seen what that is actually going to entail but they showed some kind of like trippier like more psychedelic or like more like fantastical looking stuff in the trailer a little bit so i don't know there's a chance maybe like you get drugged maybe there is some real magic it kind of remains to be seen but i'm definitely super interested in that um and you know it, it looks like it's pretty substantial, right? Like, it, it's a whole new plot with this new character, and he goes off to this island because he's afraid that they're going to come to Tsushima next because he finds this, you know, um, the scouting group from this this offshoot of, of, the, um, of, the, of the main Mongol horde. So, I'm, I'm in. Like, I'm in. Like, obviously, it remains to be seen how long this is going to be. I might get this and feel like, eh, maybe $30 was too much, but... I, you know, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't care. 
Like, I loved Ghost of Tsushima, <laughs> and I really want DLC. I've been dying for more of the game. Um, as cool as, you know, Legends appears to be, um, an online multiplayer thing is, like, not... It's not usually my bag, right? Like, um, I I want story. I want more adventures with Jin. I want more, you know, of, of what I loved so much about the main game. So, uh, seeing this trailer, like, I'm, my hype level is, is very high for this. Um, and, you know, I, obviously I'd like it to be longer. I'd like it to be more 5 to 15 or 10 to 15 hours rather than, like... You, you know, want like a Miles Morales level like yeah. length thing, right? Yeah, or or even you know like um, Horizon, you know, Frozen Wilds uh, is. I think it probably is because they're saying it's a, it's, an, it's a story expansion. Yeah. But it's interesting they're doing this director's cut thing than just saying this is an expansion for sixteen quid, twenty dollars. I think it's because they want to, you know, put out the PS5 version that has mm. you know the controller updates it's got the japanese lips lip uh lip sync support like all that stuff you know i i we we talked about it like it's very clearly like i think um uh you know it's mo it's motivated by wanting to have a ps5 version that costs more money you know um yeah definitely and but even the dlc like the the director's cut expansion costs uh ten dollars more on ps4 uh five than it does on ps4 so they could have just done that but i guess calling it a director's cut makes it seem like you get a little bit more value out of it and then you can sell a just, boxed copy you know and because yeah. there isn't a ps5 version of the game that exists on mm -hmm. store shelves whereas now there will be right and if you're you know joe average consumer you don't know that, oh, yeah, it already has 4K 60 FPS if I had it on PS4, right? You don't know that Legends is already out and available, right? Like, you're just looking at it, and you're like, oh, this is, like, the complete version of the game. This is the best version of the game. Now's the time to buy it. And that is true. Like, we talked about how it's, like, you know, some of the things that they listed as, like, features of the director's cut, like, are things you could get for free right now anyway. Um, and that's, like, you know, you can argue that's duplicitous. You know, that's, you know... Um, that's fair to say, but I think that, uh, in general, right, like the marketing message around here's the final, it's every single thing in one on one disc for PS five is, you know, that's ultimately going to benefit ghost. That's going to make that a more attractive, um, selling point than to ask somebody who's a new PS five owner, you know, who doesn't have who's looking for something to play to be like, go buy this old PS four game and then you can update it. And you know what I mean? Like it's hmm. it makes it a more attractive value proposition to the average person and and if you missed the game when it was new you know you could wait until this is on sale because it will be in a couple months and it won't be 70 dollars. and then you can get the complete perfect edition for 50 or whatever or probably less if you wait it out um and ultimately you'll you'll have a better result there <laughs> Yeah, I yeah I saw the trailer. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I mean, I've never played the game. I don't really know much about it, but I can see why people would be excited for an expansion to it, especially if they they enjoyed the the base game. Yeah, I mean, it was my favorite game last year. Um, I really loved it. I I found a lot to enjoy with it. So I'm I started a new game plus run before Mass Effect. I'll probably go back and try to finish that, and then uh, hop into this. You know, I'm I'm definitely eager to uh to play more and just kind of get lost in that world again um correct me if i'm wrong no release date yet right oh no it is august 20th look at that yeah they've got a release date on this i think it's 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 really the only thing 
from a first-party Sony studio that has a definitive release date uh, for the rest of this year. Yeah, right now, anyway. So, yeah, um, you can head over to the uh, Flip Screen Games podcast whenever this launches, and I'll have some first impressions. So uh, go check it out. Probably, what, our second or third week of shows. So, uh, yeah, come mm-hmm. follow us over there, and I'll uh, I'll have some hot takes for you. All right. So um, last item on the news list this week is we had a uh, a, a tweet from Nintendo um, that was making the rounds. Um, Nintendo's uh, Japanese account, um, like the main Nintendo account, tweeted out uh, a response to some of the rumors around the Switch Pro and the Switch OLED edition. And, you know, um, well, well, I'll read them and we can debate. So uh, this is just two days ago now as of this recording, and, and they tweeted a news report on July 15th, 2021, claimed that the profit margin of the Nintendo Switch OLED model would increase compared to the Nintendo Switch. To ensure correct understanding among our investors and customers, we want to make it clear that this claim is not correct. We also want to clarify that we just announced that Switch, uh, that Nintendo Switch OLED model will launch in October 2021 and have no plans for launching any other model at this time. So, uh, this I thought was interesting because so many people reacted to this as if this meant something, and I, I don't know, like, I, I kind of, like, I, I feel like people are so quick to want to, like, dunk on a person they don't agree with or complete the narrative that they already agree with in their mind that, they'll take anything as gospel. And you could argue I'm doing the same thing because I believe that there's Mm -hmm. another version of the Switch being developed, so I'm meeting this with skepticism, right? So grain of salt, if you think I'm full of shit, that's fine. But I saw a lot of people being like, oh, another strike for Bloomberg. Oh, take that, insiders. Like, oh, clearly this is all rumor and speculation. It's like, do you really think... Like, the, the profit margin thing, take that to the bank, right? Misinformation happens sometimes. Even journalists get it wrong. Their source could have had it wrong. It happens, right? But yeah, and the, and and to be clear, this is Nintendo's company account, which is talking about investor relations. They are legally not allowed to lie. So if their profit margin was higher, that's probably why they came out in this right. case, is because it would inflate their stock prices if their profit margin is high, and they want to be very clear to investors that that's not the case. Yes, that's good context. Um. And then in terms of the have no plans for launching any other model at this time, right? Like, I'm sorry. If you're, if you're taking that to the bank, it's like, have you ever read a press release before? This is what Nintendo says about everything, right? Anytime that they ever are asked to respond to a rumor, this is there's some version of this statement is what they say. We have nothing to announce at this time. That doesn't mean Yeah, anything. it's always like, we or we have no plans is usually their, uh, their usual thing like yeah they may not have plans to to uh release it they don't know when it's going to release but they're definitely developing one there's there's no doubt in in my mind they are anyway yeah i think so um and saying that we have no plans for launching any other model at this time is a very legally distinct statement to say that we have no plans to launch it at this time that doesn't mean that we're not working on it that doesn't mean that we don't have plans to launch it in the future that doesn't mean anything except for the fact that we're not saying anything right now so don't ask about it again is effectively (laughs) what that means you know um so my whole thing with this is 
if you take this as gospel and you're like, see, that's proof. There's no Switch Pro. There's never going to be a remodel of the Switch or a more powerful version of the Switch. Everything that Bloomberg reported is wrong. I mean, that's that's your prerogative. I don't quite believe that. I think that that you're reading a lot into a what is effectively a PR statement, right? They Bloomberg weren't wrong anyway. They predicted the or and like basically pre-announced the OLED switch like months and months ago that from sources on the supply side that they had bought these OLED units from uh, Samsung Display for. Um, like they're the rigid rigid OLED displays that Samsung had surplus of, and they're chucking them in a switch. It got maybe conflated with the the new DLSS and all of that stuff, and there might have been a little bit of of crossover where it's actually two um, two models and not and not one. But they they hundred percent got that right. Right. Yeah. So, I, and also the idea that like <laughs> that you can't ever get something wrong. You know, it's like ridiculous. Like plans change, right? Like there's there's a total a chance that when you know, uh, whomever whatever source provided that information, that it was true when they told them that. But yeah, plans yeah, exactly. Yeah, it could have Happens just like um, just like the announcement date. You know, there was the whole thing. It's going to announce a week before E three, and then it didn't, and it got obviously. It could have just been. Well, we're pushing it back a month. Or we're pushing it back a few weeks because we want to get it after E3 rather than during kind of the E3 hype bubble. Who who knows? No one knows. Um, but I, I, you know, I have a hard time believing that uh, Nintendo aren't working on a another Switch. They'd be they'd be silly just to be sitting on their hands yep. uh, at this point. And and you know, uh, and, and I'll fully admit, there's a chance that we're wrong about the idea that there's a like more powerful Switch remodel, like as a, as much of a Switch Pro, right? Um, that maybe that isn't the next step. But I don't know. It's it, it, there's not no. Yeah, they they. I mean, whether or, whether or not it is, and they might name it Switch Two. Sure. But I still think that it's it's going to be a more powerful of the same console. It's going to be the same concept with, you know, maybe the Joy-Cons don't work so that anymore. There's not the same attachments and not, not the same footprint. So they might want that level of distinction of this is the Switch 2, but it also plays Switch games. But Switch 2 games only work on Switch 2. And that might be a little bit better for them because it's a generational thing. and People understand that a little bit more than this is the new Nintendo 3DS and there are three exclusive games that only work on this because it's a slightly more powerful handheld. Yeah. But it's also part of the 3DS family because that messaging was confusing. I think they'll have learned from that. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. All right, so let's jump into the mail pot. Uh, we've got a couple real good questions here to close out the very, very last, very, very special episode of the podcast. So thank you so much for those of you who wrote in. Uh, for those of you who didn't get a chance to write in and feel like you want to kind of like talk about the last episode or anything like that, feel free to write in with those for the first episode of, uh, of Flip Screen Games. Um, you know, if there are things there that are appropriate or whatever, we can talk about them or maybe we'll do a special you know, mailbag episode or something like that. Like, I don't want you to feel like you don't have the opportunity to vent or talk about what this show meant to you or any of that kind of stuff. So please, if you want to talk to us about it, talk to us about it. Um, we obviously, for obvious reasons, we couldn't tell you beforehand that this is the last episode. So um, I, I don't want anyone to feel like they missed their opportunity. So this one comes from Asobi who wrote in, writes in and says, Hey there, Pete and Steve. Here are my, you guessed it, three questions for this week. Number one, 
How long do you think it will take until PS5 and Xboxes are going to be standing around in stores ready to be picked up by normal people? Mm, middle of next year, looking at the the like uh, lead times that TSMC were talking about, that they're still suffering shortages, even though they've hired more people. They just can't fabricate enough chips. Yeah. And I think that's a huge part of the problem. Not to mention that there's still a really high demand right now. So you got to imagine that like, even if that issue is alleviated, say w- within the, the rest of this calendar year, this holiday season, if there is a bunch of them available, it's going to be like you're fighting tooth and nail for them again, I think, you know? Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, 100%. But I, I, I really think this comes down to a, a supply issue because I don't know if definitely. you saw this week. Um, there's a new SKU of the uh, PS5 Digital Edition in Japan, mm-hmm. um, which is 300 grams lighter. So it's, they've clearly changed something inside. And my guess is they've switched to a different supplier. So they're probably working on both SKUs at the same time. Um, one is uh, is 300 grams lighter because it probably uses a different chipset or a different cooling system or something. But they basically are the same machine. Uh, and that's that's probably down to supply issues that they the the one company that was supplying one thing just couldn't give them enough of it. Yeah, so I mean assuming that those issues continue into 2022, it could be holiday of next year before they're really accessible. Um but I imagine we'll probably see more waves of them cuz even just this last week there were PS5s available for um for order on a few different retailers for the first time in a while. So they're still trickling out, but I think as long as there's this high, high level of demand that they just can't keep up with, it's going to be tough. And even if it takes until, you know, say holiday of next year, you got to imagine there's going to be, you know, uh, you know, if Horizon gets delayed, that's going to be a big game that people are going to want to snap it up for. If God of War comes out next fall, next holiday season, that's going to be a game that people really want to snap it up for. So... I think I think it's going to be a bit before you can just decide you want to get a PS5 on any given Sunday and stroll into a GameStop and pick one up. I think I think we're a ways off from that yet. Yeah, Xbox definitely. maybe a little sooner because the demand doesn't seem to be quite as high. But even them, they're hard to come by. Yeah, I've seen I've seen problems here, but you know, I I again had my stock thing come up that PS5s were in stock at, at various retailers this week. I clicked on the links and they were either sold out or it was a queue system that was like, you were in a queue for like two hours. And I was like, fuck this. I'm just, you know, I'm waiting till I can readily get one. Uh, When I click a link, it's not sold out because it's just so frustrating. Number two, what would you want Sony and Microsoft to change about their way of releasing consoles in terms of availability and making sure that everyone can get their console when they want one? It's kind of crazy if you think about the fact that the PS5 and Xbox will most likely not be available to most people until 2022, That means, which means that probably one-seventh of the console generation will be over by then. So, that is pretty wild thought, though, isn't it? One-seventh of the generation's just gone and people can't, people can't get one. Yeah, and... That when you when you put it that way, it sounds bad, but I don't know. I think I don't really think there's much they could do because of the chip shortage. Uh, that I mean, I kind of disagree with that. We spoke briefly last week about Steam's res- reservation process, and I think if they'd have implemented something like that, both of them, it would have alleviated so many problems. If you had a definitive, I'm getting my switch, my switch, my Xbox, or my PS5 on like 
Q3 2021. And then as it gets closer, it's like yours is coming in September, yours is coming in October. And you've paid down your like $10 deposit or whatever. You're less likely to go and buy one from a scalper because you know, well, I've only got to wait two more months. I'm going to get one and I'm guaranteed to get one. I'm in a queue system with the official manufacturer. And I think that that solves a lot of the problems. And you do the same restriction, like you have to have like, I don't know, a certain number of gamer points or you have to have bought something on the Sony PlayStation store or something before you can buy a console from them. I just don't think that's viable. Like the we talked about it last week. The Steam Deck is not, you know, like I'm sorry, it's a niche product. Like it's not something that really a lot of people want as much. Like it's not it's not it's not something I think is going to sell, you know, hundreds of millions of units, right? And mm-hmm. like you know, yeah, they can they can do a tiered release like that and say we're only going to release a hundred thousand or whatever, and like they don't care because that's not their business. You know, like for Sony, like the PlayStation Five is the main event. You know, um, and I don't think it makes sense to like make I'm that just saying that do a tiered release, but just have like a single reservation process and whether yeah, that but like you can't do that kicks cause... you out to different retailers or something. I don't know because I know when I got my Xbox with All Access, I had the choice between two retailers that I could purchase it from. Yeah. And right. and like I could pick and I and I got to pick. I went with game rather than Smith's Toys. But I think you could do something like that where I, I don't know, like the the most hardcore fans who want it day one. Like Sony attempted it, but they they let like GameStop sell out all their reservations prior to them even like giving it to this queue system yeah. that they tried to build, and it just made no sense whatsoever. Well, like Xbox tried that, and it was a mixed bag. Like I couldn't get in the queue, you know. Um, and that's the thing. Like I don't, I'm not gonna sit here and say that there's not a way to make it better. Like, but what I was saying, I don't think they control is like, you know, because Asobi's question is uh, making sure that everyone can get their console when they want one. That's not possible with these consoles right like there was a chip shortage the only way they could have conceivably done that would be to like hold the release of the consoles yeah you delay the release um, until like november 2021 rather than november yeah. 2020 and, and that way they've got a year's worth of console stocked up yeah and like as somebody who bought both of them at launch and has really enjoyed my time with them i would have hated that you know like, i would have hated that but you wouldn't have known though would you i mean because they wouldn't have announced it for november 2020 it would have been they would have done all the reveal throughout 2021 and it would have been right november 2021 is the release time and now we've got like i don't know 20 million of these ready to yeah. sell because we've just been manufacturing them around the clock yeah and i don't but know I they, just, you can make that argument i guess but I, I don't know like it's one of those things where like who does that actually benefit like you know you, the consumer who wants one right now and can't get one, sure, maybe you would have been able to get one at launch then and you'd feel happy about that. But, like, how much does that actually, like, is that a good thing for Sony is my question. No, it's a terrible I, no. thing for them because they'd have, they, they're they'd sinking have, costs sold any games, something right? that they won't get any return on. They're sitting on these games for another year and they won't get any return on them. Yeah, it's a bad idea. Like, I'm sorry, you know? Um, it sucks that if you want a PlayStation, you can't get one right now. Like I, I, I empathize, but, um, or I guess I sympathize. I don't empathize cause I have one. Um, yeah. Oh yeah. Rub it in peace. That's yeah, grammar. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I was just correcting my grammar. Sorry. That came off rude. Uh, but, but I, I just, I don't know. Like I, I just don't think that, um, 
I don't think that it was super avoidable this time because of the chip shortage. But in terms of like improving the way that reservations are taken and everything like that, I definitely think that there's something to be learned from what Valve did to avoid scalpers. Um, however, I think the problem is like when you're Valve and you're selling a niche product to a small audience, it's easy to be like, well, yeah, we're only going to sell it ourselves through our storefront versus PlayStation and Xbox and Nintendo mm -hmm. who have you know, some of the biggest consumer electronic products of the year coming out and your Walmarts and Targets and whoever. You know, there's got to be some to do it though, right? Like a, a login with Xbox or login with PlayStation button on these websites. Yeah, but, like, but that's not fair either. What if I don't have a PlayStation 4 and I don't have a PlayStation account? So I'm not allowed to pre-order one? Like... That's no, not but fair. You, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe you go to, you can enter the queue, but there's like two queues, you know? But it's like I mean, fast like, I guess at Disneyland. My question is, why is that any more fair? Because you, as a consumer, owned a PlayStation 4, you deserve a better shot than someone who didn't. Were this is what people were complaining about with Steam, that their account was too new because they just created it because they were interested in the Steam Deck. Yeah. But they've never had an account before that time or purchased a Steam game. And maybe that makes more sense but xbox has briefly tried it with selling consoles through an xbox dashboard and the they had like a limited number that you could buy it was like an advert on the xbox xbox one x dashboard um and that like that's could, cool get them. i'd be fine if they did like a limited number of that but then it's like how do you decide who gets one of those like i i think what you're essentially talking about is like you're just you're just trickling them out in a slightly different way like i don't think it's any more inherently more fair like no it, it can't ever be but you know i i really do wish every retailer would do some kind of fee to to like reserve a spot yeah because i do think that would stop a lot of scalpers and bots and i things. totally agree and don't that. and don't let like a fresh amazon account buy a ps5 just don't do it just like you have to be like most people on the planet at this point and it's 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 upsetting to hear have an amazon account right and they've purchased something from amazon so if a new account gets created then don't let them buy a ps5 like that's part of the problem curry's in the uk actually did this really well they had like a reservation system you put your email in and then they sort of did like a, i don't can't remember if it was first come first server like a lottery draw you got a chance to purchase it and their system obviously didn't let them have like uh um, like consoles sell to specific accounts and uh, what they did was they put the price of the console at £9,999 <laughs> to st stop scalpers buying it with bots as That's soon as it went live hilarious. and uh, and then they sent people a coupon code to bring it back down to the normal price That's... so you got like an exclusive coupon code to take it down to the to the normal price so you would buy the console That's so funny yeah, and I definitely want to see retailers try to limit scalping because it's obviously a huge problem. And and it especially when you have something as in demand as the PlayStation 5 is right now and like how scarce it is, it just sucks. Like it stings to see that, you know, continually um be an issue. Yeah, it's actually one thing our government is uh is doing to that I agree with is uh, they're trying to make it illegal in the UK to scalp either tickets or um uh, i think it's like high demand electronic goods that's mm. what they call it cool i dig that all right so number three what is your opinion on games as a service or even games with updates and lots of dlcs after launch 
do you would you rather uh, your games be like the good old days where the game releases, you finish it, maybe do a second playthrough, and then you can cross it off your list? Or do you actually like that a lot of games nowadays get a couple story DLCs, updates, or even regular content drops that make you start up the game again months later? Best, Asobi. It depends. I like it. Yeah, I like it for multiplayer games. I love like games as a service style. Like think about Splatoon 2, that launched with hardly any content and over the years it's just had new maps, new modes, new uh new like uh weapons, all sorts of stuff. It really brought that game to life. Uh for story games, I think it depends on the the length of time that they wait to release that DLC. If it's a couple of months after, I might pick it up again. If it's a year or two years down the line, I'm probably not going to go back. I'll have forgotten the controls. I'll need to play the game again. We've spoken um, multiple times about how this happened to both of us with Horizon. You know, we played Horizon Zero Dawn and we get to Frozen Wilds and it's like, I, I'm terrible at this game now. I can't remember any of the moves. And the enemies and, are stronger than anything yeah. you fought before and you're like, crap, right. I, I don't know what I'm doing. So I can't do that. I actually prefer the approach that Sony started doing with uh, Uncharted and obviously with with Miles Morales and um, a couple of other games is it's just the smaller game. Just like, give me another game in between for these story-driven games. Just make another one. I'm, I'm happy with like a smaller experience on like an off year. Pay a little bit less and just have a great time with it. And then you're not restricted in, like, how does this fit in with the story of the original game? It can just be its own separate thing. But you're recuperating some of that development cost because in the same engine, you're reusing assets. Yeah, I would say I generally prefer that approach. Um, I can think of plenty of games. Like, obviously, I'm excited about the Ghost of Tsushima expansion. I think I've gotten better about that in recent years. Like, I I replayed Horizon this year, um, and or maybe it was last year. I don't know. I, I replayed it recently. And I played frozen wilds for the first time but like with spider-man 2018 like i went back and and played the the city that uh never sleeps dlc the three dlcs but i waited until they were all done and then played them all at once because i didn't like doing it like one at a time uh for that reason that you described it's like it's just it's hard for me to finish a game be done with it and then come back and like pick it back up you know like i always feel like i need a fresh start I need another run, something like that. And sometimes that works out. Yeah. Like, it incentivizes me to play a game a second time, you know? Um, which, you know, if it's Especially a game... Especially if there's a new game plus mode. Exactly. Already. You, you, like, go in on the new game plus, and then you go into the DLC yeah. after, and then you get two new experiences. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what I've done with what I did with Horizon and what I did with Ghost and, and Spider-Man. and um, Or not with Spider-Man, because those are actually technically separate. But, um, yeah, so I, I like... I don't know. I, I'm i not out on it. Like, if it's done well, if it's done on a quick enough timeline, if the content is substantial enough, then I do like it. Um, but I'm reminded of, like, Far Cry 5 Season Pass, where they, like, released a bunch of oh, sites. So and I, of they were all boring. I didn't find any of them to be particularly compelling. Like, And I loved Far Cry, so I bought, like, the gold edition up front. Same. And I was, like, so excited. And I was like, these all suck. I don't want to go play on Mars and shit. No. Like, who yeah, cares? Just, and and I thought they were fun ideas, but they just weren't. You know, they didn't they didn't come together for me. Um, but I, whereas I look at all those Sony games that I just mentioned, and like I liked all of those DLCs a lot. You know, um, so yeah, yeah, I like Last of Us Left Behind. It was so smart, so clever to see the bits you didn't get to see, as well as a bit of a prequel, learning more about the characters, as well as kind of like what you're like thinking when you play the base game, like well, what happened there, like. 
why is Joel like that? You know, yeah. and and you find out all of those things in the DLCs and like a huge character like um, character development in that DLC. Yeah. So I, I when it, when executed well, I like it a lot. All right, last question on the last episode of the podcast, and oh, no. it is crazy to say that out loud to think that, uh, but here we are. And uh, it is a big, meaty question from one of our biggest supporters, that Doc guy, uh, who wrote in and said, what's your favorite game? What makes Mm. it your favorite game? Should I, being Doc, pick it up based on your cursory knowledge of my gaming habits? So... This is a really tough question. Your favorite game... I I don't know if I can nail it down to one, but off the top of my head... Is a toss-up between The Last of Us or Stardew Valley. The Last of Us got me back into video games. I had completely stopped playing them when I left home and got a full-time job. I just didn't feel like I had the time for it. And then I saw my ex playing uh, The Last of Us, and he never really got that far with the game. But I was, like, drawn in. It was incredible and and i picked it up that weekend and i i played it through i just couldn't stop playing it and played it through and i think it was like two three days i just completed that game it was it was amazing and you know i am sure you've played it doc so um if you haven't you definitely should because i know you i think you've got a playstation right yeah he definitely does i can't remember if he's played last of us because i know he like had a bunch of Sony games that he hadn't played, but I know he like started a bunch of them and like there were some he bounced off of. I don't know if Last of Us is one that he's done or not. I adore The Last of Us. It's so good. And I cry so much at both of those games. I think they kind of go together as one. It's The Last of Us, part one and part two. And I think you should play both of them and see them as like one thing. Sure. And then Stardew Valley will always have a special place in my heart. I remember staying up at like all times playing that game until like 3 a.m. And like uh, I would be there and my ex would be like playing it on his computer and I'd be playing it on mine at the same time. And like we couldn't play multiplayer at the time because it didn't exist. And we'd be like, oh, what are you doing on your farm? What you like? And it's just so creative and so fun. And uh, I love that game so much. Um, and the fact that they just like he just keeps adding things to it, like there's just more content going in all the time. I, I think it's fantastic, and they're totally two totally different games: Stardew Valley and The Last of Us. They could not be more polar opposites. But sure. those two, I think, are my two favorites, and I would struggle to pick between the two of them. And that's the beauty of games, right? You know, um, that there's such a such an incredible diversity of of uh, of options right now. You know, mm. um, there's a game out there for everybody. Yours is Metroid, right? Yeah, I love it. Best game of all time. Um, I don't know. Like, it's really hard. It's hard to say my favorite game. There are there are a few games that come to mind for me. Um, and as I was thinking about it, there were three that stuck out in my mind. So I'm going to go with those three. Um, the first of which is uh, Pokemon Gen 2, silver and gold. Um, I obviously am a big Pokemon fan. Uh, I think that in terms of, like, as a single-player game, that's my favorite entry. Uh, there's so much content in it, and none of it feels like bullshit, 
you know, like the day night cycle, the calendar, like all that stuff. There's a really deep world there for you to explore. And there's so many like secrets and, you know, things that if you only played the game once that you would never have seen, you know, just because of the way that the timing worked out. Right. You wouldn't see. Uh, you know, there's the siblings with the different days of the week and, like, that random kind of stuff that, like, there's so much stuff that's easy to miss. There's that Lapras in the ice cave that you could never have ever found just because, you know? Um, and that game is dripping with things like that, you know? And that that's something that um, Pokemon has kind of lost over the years in translation as it's become a global phenomenon and it's become a thing that needs to be the most palatable it can be to the widest audience. Um, it's lost some of that weirdness and some of the some of those secrets some of those hidden you know um aha moments you know I, I feel like you don't really get that in a pokemon game anymore and i miss that a lot and i i think yeah i, th- I think just gen 2 is really special and you know uh heart gold and soul silver i think or you know you could take those two i think the battle mechanics and those are better um i really like the changes that came in gen 4 with like the physical special split and everything so if i had to pick one like this is a desert island game I might go that, but now I'm thinking about it. If I'm on a desert island, I can't play competitive Pokemon anyway, so I'll probably go with the originals because I like the chiptune, I like the pixel art, like all that stuff. Um, it's so just aesthetically pleasing, I think. Those we should do really the powerful. desert island games at some point. I've just watched the desert... McCall is rewatching The Office. We've just watched the... Oh, they've just watched the desert island episode and the fire thing. I like... I do, the, yeah. The, we'll definitely do that. Do a desert yeah. island games list. Um, okay, so that's number one. Uh, number two would be Mass Effect 2, I think. Um, and these aren't, like, in order, necessarily. It's just, you know. Um, but yeah, Mass Effect 2 is, uh, I think, as far as AAA games go, it's, like, the example of what I really want out of a story-driven game. Um, I would be fine with, like, you know, like, Mass Effect is pretty linear uh, in terms of, like, the maps and stuff, but, like, the game is very nonlinear, and, you know, um, I I definitely love open-world games, and there are a lot of open-world games that, like, have that sense of progression in terms of, like, I'm just out on this map, and I can go anywhere and do anything, and I love that. But, like Breath of the Wild, right? Sure, yeah, or, or Ghost, or, you know, Horizon, or, you know, there are lots of games like that that I, I very much respond to. But what I love I didn't about... I Ghost was open world, to be honest. Yeah, it is. Um, it's so good. Um, but what I find, like, some of those games end up lacking for me is, like, even if I like the world, even if I like the story, like, a lot of games just don't do a good job of building out ensemble casts. That was one of the things I liked about Ghost of Tsushima so much is that there's like four or five non, you know, main character, main characters that have their own stories, that have their own lives that you can get, you know, connected with or whatever. Um, That was like my biggest criticism with Horizon, right? Is that like, I don't feel like there's probably one to two supporting characters in Horizon that are like memorable, or, like, super likable. And even that, you could argue it's maybe one, you know, or none. No, I would... Well, it depends if you include the the person that's in your ear all the time. So that would... I would say, I think it's him and one other guy that I think are the no, characters. No, I think there's... Are... I, I think there's a couple, because obviously you've got that bit when you're a kid, and obviously he's very memorable. Sure. But, I mean, and that then, character is 
short-lived. <laughs> Whoa, spoilers! And then the the person that follows you into Horizon 2, by the looks of it. I like him too, yeah. Okay, yeah. so fine. So you named one additional character. Fair enough. I like that guy too. So there's a few memorable characters in that game, right? Whereas, like, in Mass Effect, I feel like almost every character in your crew is super likable, super memorable. In Mass Effect 2, that's my favorite crew of everybody. Um... All of the supporting characters are likable or memorable or hateable and memorable, and it makes the world feel so alive, you know? Uh, The pilot of your ship, who's a minor character, is a character that is likable and memorable and has good dialogue, and, you know, um, there's just a level of world-building and, like, how lived-in the Mass Effect universe feels um, that... You know, I I just was so enamored with, you know, and like this is only my second time playing through the trilogy and a game that I played once, you know, over a decade ago now um, has just stuck with me, you know, and has always remained. If you ask me, oh, you know, what are your favorite games? Mass Effect 2 would be on the tip of my tongue, you know, Um, it's such a such a special franchise to me. and, And I think that it it breaks my heart that we don't get games like this anymore. You know, that we don't get games that have the same attention to story and lore and world building and having a script that's hundreds and hundreds of pages, you know, because those we, things we are... We do. They're, they're just from Sony, right? Yeah, but even those are not as deep as Mass Effect in terms of, like, the things that I like about Mass Effect, you know? Um, like, I love Horizon. I love Ghost of Tsushima. I love God of War. Um, and maybe you could argue God of War has that level of, of depth of character. Um, because that's the whole thing of that game, right? Is like it's about this really tight connection between two characters, and then they're surrounded by a bunch of other characters that are likable or memorable or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Um, and even again, Horizon, a game I love to death, up and down. I love Aloy. Um, I, I, there are it, the cast of that game is not comparable to Mass Effect. You know, it just isn't, and even in those story-driven games that you're talking about from Sony, right? Like, they're not really about choice, you know? They're about telling you No, none of them are about choice, no. And that's cool. I mean, I guess the ones from, um, like, the Heavy Rain and the Detroit Become Human are all about choice. They're just not great games from Quantic Dream, really. Yeah, Not on the level of, like, a Mass Effect. And that is all they are. There's no other gameplay. It's just, this is it. Yeah, and that's the thing, right, is Mass Effect has it all. Like, Mass Effect is a AAA third-person cover-based shooter with powers, but it's also a deep story-driven game with tons, hundreds, thousands of choices for you to make. And, you know, my experience can be completely different from your experience in certain ways. And, you know, all those kinds of things. Those are the things that, like, really make me fall in love with a game. And, you know, more and more, those things are segmented, right? You either get a story game or you get a gameplay game, you know? And, like, the the crossover between them where it's as deep as what Bioware was doing during, you know, the PS3, Xbox 360 era... They're, they're really rare at this point, you know? Um, Outer Worlds is probably the most comparable game in me- recent memory, and that was a game that had a smaller budget, so it just doesn't have as much, you know? And it, it has those elements, but it's less, you know? And my hopes are high for that sequel yeah. because of that, you know? Um, you ever play um, uh, Fallout New Vegas? I've tried it. I've, I've started it up, like, once or twice and, like, never quite gotten super far in it. I, I, I want to try it again. 
Um, I I worry that I've missed the boat on it and that like the age of it is a barrier for me now, you know, because that game's got some very like 2000s era jank and, you know. Uh, yeah, maybe, but so is Fallout 4 and that came out like 2016. Yeah, I mean, I didn't love Fallout 4. So. Yeah, you if you I I don't know, New Vegas is very different. It, it like from Fallout 3, like it brought back like the faction stuff yeah. from the original Fallout games. They they really went to town on it and I I love uh, I love that game a lot. Maybe that's one to stream. Uh, yeah, I you know, I'm happy to watch you make choices or I'll play it. And then my I'll, last... I'll always have to play Fallout. And then my last uh, call out is going to be Shovel Knight. Um, it's tough for me to say that that's my favorite platformer because, like, nah, they're all so different, right? Like, gun to my head, I might say Super Mario World is my favorite. Um, but Not Super Mario Land or Mario Land or whatever the one was on, GB- on, on, Game, on Boy. Game Boy? No, no. Uh, Super Mario World was, was has always been my favorite. You know, um, Wario Land 4 is the best platformer of all times, Pete. There and... you go. There you go. You heard it here. <laughs> yeah, wasn't on your list, so I don't know. Uh, um, I like, we were only meant to pick one, and I I broke the rules with two. You've gone ahead and done three. I jumped so, it. You know. <laughs> so there's your third war. Um, but yeah, I mean, Shovel Knight is is a modern classic. I think. Um, I think it's the perfect game to point to when you talk about like retro revival games where it's like this is a game that's trying to tap into what was special about retro games without being slavish to it and making a game that's like obtuse or not fun to play or it's like all of the good things about that era of platformer with all the modern conveniences that you could hope for you know um which is i think why it's a game that's been so accessible and so successful and and found such a um a devoted audience and i think for me like I just love the aesthetic of it. I love the world. I love the designs of the characters. The music is great. Like Shovel Knight's one of those games that like um it's it's a lot like Pokemon, like Blue, where like I'll just go back and play it every once in a while. I'm like, I'm just gonna beat this game again just because I feel like it, you know? I talked about it last week where I'm like, ah, yeah. I think I might play it again. Think I might just play again, it. Again, you were like, I'm gonna play it on the Vita and I'm like, Why? <laughs> Cause it's great. Power of Vita. Vita means life. So in terms of should you play them, um, I don't know, Doc. It's hard to recommend games for you. There are games that I really thought you would like, and then you didn't, and then ones that I'm like, I don't know if you'd like this, and then you do. So you're a wild card. So what I would say is try them all. If you haven't tried any of those five games that we just said, try all of them because they're all some oh, of our favorite yeah. games. But you're like, you were obsessed with Animal Crossing when we were, and it's like Stardew Valley 100% should be on your list to play if you haven't played it. Yeah. Then. For sure. So, time to land the plane here, Steve. Anything you want to say on this last episode of the podcast? I, I just really want to say thank you to everyone that's that's tuned in and listened for 136 episodes. That's hundreds and hundreds of hours of us chatting absolute shit. And you tuned in every week to listen to it. Uh, and then everyone in the community that, that joined us on Discord replies to our tweet threads when we managed to post them up and remember commented on a video liked it shared the podcast with someone just told someone and they like the show all of that stuff wrote in questions it means so much and uh you know i'm i'm scared and excited as to what flip screen is going to be because this has felt like a comfort blanket i know what i'm doing every week i'm coming 
every same time every week I record the show and I know that people are going to be excited to listen to it and to hear their questions answered and to uh, uh, discuss it with us in the Discord. And that's a really, really nice feeling. Um, you know, when we started this, I didn't know if anyone would listen to it. And now we have hundreds of people listen every week and it's it's really, really nice. Yeah, uh, I would definitely echo everything that Steve said there. Um, yeah, thank you for making the show a part of your week, every week. Uh, thank you for writing in. Thank you for coming to the streams. Thank you for supporting us and caring about what we think. And, you know, um, those of you who supported on Patreon, giving us your hard-earned money um, so that you can listen to us bullshit about what happened in our lives and the fact that you care <laughs> about those things, like, it, it means the world to me. And, you know, any any one of you who's reached out and said something um, nice about the show or, or has reached out to tell me that the show's meant something to you. Um, you know, I've, I've responded to you and let you know how much that means to me, but you know, I'll, I'll take every opportunity I can to say, and if you've never written in, if we've never interacted, but you've been listening, um, you know, that matters just as much. Um, so, you know, just to anybody who's listening now to anyone who's been listening, you know, for a week, for 136 weeks. Um, thank you. Thank you for caring. Thank you for listening. Um, it's uh, there's a lot of ways that you could spend your time, and and I I truly look at it as a privilege that you choose to spend it uh, with us. So um, thank you, thank you so much for that. And you know I hope that uh, that you are as excited as we are about the future of of what we do together, me and Steve, uh, moving over to Flip Screen. I hope that you'll come and join us on that journey, um, and I hope that that you're uh, that you walk away from this announcement feeling excited and energized um, about it, like we do, um, and not upset because uh it is going to be a good thing and and you know i i know that uh it'll it'll mean uh better content for for you guys moving forward so um if if any of you do choose uh to step away and this is the last time that i have your ear um thank you again i uh, appreciate your time so uh that's that's it uh i've, I've yeah. been i've been pete he's been steve we've been the pots cast and uh yeah, we'll uh we'll catch you on the ninth. Take care.